Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast, your podcast from <laughs> handsomephantom.com every week about video games and sometimes other weird things that we decide to talk about with me here today is brandon the most glorious ginger brandon how you doing what is going on ben brandon what did you have for dinner oh chicken nuggies chicken nuggies yeah i did they were uh tossed in barbecue sauce it's actually pretty much what i ate last night for dinner too because we went to the gas station to get dinner <laughs> yes um so I, it sounds hilarious unless you know our gas station yeah, yeah. sheets yeah. um so yeah, man, I'm just living living my best life. Um, nice. Some people hate on the boneless wings. I say, to each his own. To each his own. Yeah, Davy, the the Davy the wavy uh, is here with me too. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. I'm just I'm just thinking. I'm, I'm cataloging through my memories and seeing if I've ever said in my life I went to the gas station for dinner. Right. I don't I don't think it's happened, but uh, I, I've seen I've seen the selection that you guys have at your gas stations down there. And it uh, it pales in comparison to what sorry it, what you have like we have nothing close to that we have chips pop sometimes we have a Tim Hortons inside the gas station but full meals not really that's the majority of gas stations around us don't get me wrong hmm. but with Sheets and Get Go and there are places like that popping up around the country uh, you have like Speedway uh, have, yeah well Speedway is a, they didn't used to be like that Speedway it was like you can get coffee and lottery tickets and cigarettes and that's it. Maybe you can get gas, but, but now, definitely cigarettes. Yeah, now you can get food, though. Now you I can, know that, yeah, for sure. And, and some of them. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Dave, what do you have for dinner? I haven't eaten yet, but I can tell you what's on deck, if you like. We're having love that. General So Chicken Sandwiches. Wow. General get, So Chicken Sandwiches. It sounds impressive, but I can't take credit. We get meal kits, so like Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every week, we have like a fancy, healthy good meal yeah uh, that's very convenient i'm really looking forward to dinner tonight because uh yeah so let's let's speed this up fellas that sounds <laughs> lovely that sounds so good well i, I don't need to get into dinner because i didn't have chicken like you guys but i will say <laughs> i just finished off uh, a shamrock shake oh wait. uh the most true authentic irish gourmet food that mcdonald's has to offer and so i'm thinking this might be potentially it has the potential to be the best episode we've ever done wow yeah just because of the shake. Well, because of the lock inside of it. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. And Dave, is our shamrock shakes a thing in Canada? Yes, and I stopped by a McDonald's on the weekend uh, to get a McFlurry real late at night, and uh, I saw the shamrock shake, and I thought about you fellas. I didn't order one because there's something weird to me about mint and ice cream. Uh -huh. It just doesn't do it for me, but I definitely thought of you guys when, uh, when I saw it. But uh, 
yeah, not my, my not my thing, but I can confirm they do exist in Canada. Nice, that's good well, to know. At least in in your part of Canada. Yes, the good part. Yeah, the only good part, really. Exactly. I mean, basically, within your region are the two Canadians that I know and like. So. Yep. Actually, this, this McDonald's is in a neighboring city, Oakville, Ontario, which is the birthplace of Cuphead, by the way. Yes. No yes. shit. How That's about true. it? Mm-hmm. See, just goes to further prove my point. How about All good it? things come out of Dave's region. Of- That's <laughs> right. Some, there's something to that. There's something to it. This is the HP Podcast. Uh, we're brought to you by our proud patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. We appreciate your support. You can get the show ad-free and early. For as little as a dollar a month, we appreciate your support over there. And come on over and join the Discord. Hang out. Uh, tell us we're wrong about our takes on the show. We don't mind. Uh, we will ban you, but it's fine. You can hang out for like one message, maybe, if you don't say the wrong thing. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, how are you guys doing all right this week? Is it, is it going well for you? Yeah. That's, <sighs> okay, wait. We got to stop. That didn't sound convincing at all, Brendan. Yeah, I was I was pondering it. Um, we went to see a, a performance last night, Ben yes. and I, uh, we went to go see Oliver Tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really good. I like to call him Mr. Tree when I yeah, can. Mr. Tree, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, and I've had a, the past couple of days off, uh, weirdly enough. Um, so I've been getting some R and R playing some Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty good, but it is my last day before work. So it, I feel happy, but like there is that looming feeling of despair right. uh, because work is soul crushing on its way. Mm-hmm. So, well, I understand that. I do. Dave, how about you? Everything going well? Are you are you dreading your work cycle? Are you still no. enjoying it? No, I mean I, I can relate to the I don't know what they're called the Sunday downs or whatever when mm-hmm. you know you get past noon on a Sunday and it starts to hit that you got to go back to work tomorrow. Obviously, it's not Sunday for everybody, but I can relate. Uh, but I can't complain. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I woke up this morning. Uh, I have the privilege to to play video games whenever I want. And uh, it's kind of been a rough week for me uh, gaming wise, but we can talk about that a little bit later on. Um, yeah, but otherwise, no complaints here, fellas. See, I have the benefit of not having the Sunday downs because I work seven days a week. Uh, now, granted, my work days are a little different than most people's and I'm not always like, I, you know, I'm not working an eight hour job, eight hour, sometimes it's eight hours, but I'm not always working eight hours, you know, with a a boss over my head, questioning everything I do or anything like that. But, you know, just work every day and you don't have to have those. I have to go back to work kind of blues. Right. You know, it, it, it just depends. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Do you consider your Twitch time work? Is that, is that work to you yet? Or is that still Ben's time? That is still Ben's time. But I, I wish it were a little more of a work thing because then I would have more structured time. Right now, I only have one night a week that is like I'm always doing it this time this day. Uh, I would like it to be so that I could say this happens these, this time every day or whatever whatever days I want it to. Uh, it is work in the sense that it makes me money. Um, it is a, a you know a portion of my income, not a huge portion, but it's certainly substantial enough to merit doing. But I have this bad habit of my whole life turning things I enjoy into jobs. Uh, so <laughs> it is a job, but I enjoy it thoroughly. I don't, there's nothing about it I don't like. So Good to know. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking, Dave. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know why I just pretend to get weepy there. But let's talk about some news, video game news. I know it's a little bit of a different thing for this show, but let's just go ahead and you know <laughs> switch it up a bit. 
This comes from IGN, from George Yang. It says, I have a mint in my mouth, and it's so distracting. I'm sorry, audience. Um, Tencent acquires majority stake in Rhyme developer Tequila Works. It is now the majority shareholder of the studio. Quote, Tencent has been on the spree of acquiring or investing in gaming studios over the past few years. Now the Chinese tech giant has become the majority shareholder of the Spanish studio Tequila Works. The developer is known for games such as Rhyme, Guilt, The Sexy Brutal, and the upcoming Son of Nunu, a League of Legends story. In a statement, Tequila Works CEO Raul Rubio said, For 12 years, the teams at Tequila Works have passionately crafted high-quality titles that radiated our personal sensibilities. But there's a limit to how much you can grow by yourself. Rubio says Tencent is a partner that can appreciate the value of top creative talent with originality as their banner, one that respects our independence and creative freedom. This partnership will allow us to focus on taking on the original IPs we are known for to greater heights and create the best experiences we can dream of. Now, of course, there's a lot of other things here. I have no doubt that Tencent is going to enable them to do things through funding that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. But I just have to know, with all the studios, I'll see if I can get a number here, all the studios that Tencent's acquiring and all the money they're putting into stuff, how much freaking money are they paying for these studios to just be like, sure, we'll give up any possibility of ever putting anything in our games that China doesn't like. And that won't, you know, that'll be fine. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it's, they got to be putting a lot of money into these studios. I don't understand how they have so much. Well, they got all those, they, they started out with all those mobile apps. Yeah, that's And true. they're kind of an extension of the Chinese government. That's to some true. Extent, so. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. It definitely, <laughs> it's definitely something going on. Dave, what do you think about, Tencent constantly buying studios. Is it good because we're getting more work out of these studios? We're getting them to be able to do bigger and better things? Or is it impending doom? Should we worry? Cry that the know. sky is falling? The, certainly isn't the sexiest acquisition we've seen in the last uh, six months or so. But, um, you know, this is a smaller, fairly creative, you know, indie kind of studio. Um, anytime you can get a studio like that more more resources, then you hope that they can churn out more creative new IP. Um, so I mean that's a good thing. But on the flip side, anytime you have you know a big company, especially one coming from China, uh, that gobbles up one of these companies, you got to think what that does for creative freedom, not just politically, but just you know creatively. If if you're now owned by a company. They're going to have some say whether they they sort of indicate it off the bat or not what you're going to create. So, I mean, it can go two ways. This this seems like an odd acquisition in terms of the size of the studio, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Tencent's actually planning with with all these acquisitions. Yeah, I agree. I noticed that I didn't realize they were making one of the League of Legends games that's coming out. I wonder if the connection there with. Um, I can't think of the name of the studio. Who makes League of Legends? Uh, Arcane? No. No, that's... Uh, whoever it is is owned by, by China, by, by Tencent, right? I wonder if there's some connection there, that they that's how they found them. Because you're right, Dave, otherwise it'd be like... They, it's not like they've... They, they did Rise and uh, stuff like that, but it's not like they've done anything that's like, whoa, look at these guys, they're on the map now, we should try to go after them. So you have to think there was some impetus for them to be, or maybe, hey, it could be the other way around. Maybe Tequila went to Tencent and said, "Look, we got we got to have some funding here." It's Riot. Riot. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> that would have bugged me all night. Um, so I'm imagining that you know it either went through the League of Legends connection or that 
tequila went to um the ten cent and said hey we know you're buying studios we've got one to sell you who knows yeah i'm tired of hearing about them buying shit well let's talk about something else then let's talk about something everybody wants to talk about <laughs> the initiative uh this comes from videogameschronicle.com and it said this came out today this is tuesday uh, March 15th, it says insiders described the fast and furious exits, which I didn't even realize they had control over Vin Diesel or anything, but uh, <laughs> fast and furious exits from Xbox's perfect dark studio. As much as half of the core development team have quit in the past year, initiative, initiative management says it's confident in its team. And it says as much as half the core development team known to be working on the upcoming perfect dark reboot quit the company during the last year or around 34 people analysis of employee LinkedIn profiles has revealed. That includes most of the initiative's senior design team, including game director Dan Newberger, design director Drew Murray, lead level designer Chris O'Neill, principal world builder, builder Jolan Myers, two senior system designers, a group of three former God of War designers, and more. And the turnover of top talent doesn't end in design. Perfect Dark's two most senior writers also recently quit, analysis shows, along with the project's technical director, tech art director, lead gameplay engineer, lead animator, QA lead, and more. According to LinkedIn, the initiative is now less than 50 people and currently has just three roles advertised on its website. Analysis Jeez. suggests it hired around 12 people in the last 12 months. Wow. So there's more details here, but one of the big things that this article mentions is the timing of the departures coordinates or coincides with the September 2021 announcement that Crystal Dynamics had been signed on to the co-develop Perfect Dark. This, combined with a few jobs currently advertised at the initiative, suggests that the Tomb Raider developer is likely taking a much stronger lead than first thought on the project. So that goes on to say about how, you know, the leads there say they're still confident in the project and they're confident in the team and everything like that. But Brandon, I just want to know if, if you work for a decently large company, maybe your particular branch doesn't have a whole lot of people, but your company has a lot. If half of them quit over the last 12 years or 12, 12 months, yeah. do you think there'd be some cause for concern? Yeah, no, that's just way, way, way too many people. I mean, I would be willing to give, the benefit of the doubt to some of them. Right. But the list you just read off, I mean, is like sprawling. Yeah. And through all facets, a lot yeah. of the facets of the game in general. Um, very concerning. Um, I guess if Crystal Dynamics is coming on, it's possible that they realize that there's some problems. Maybe they are taking on a bigger role. Um, but... Whatever happened, man, it couldn't management. So, something is wrong from the top down. Yeah. It seems like there, um, there wouldn't really be a reason for so many people to leave. I don't think. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just very strange. And we should note that it's not uncommon in the video game industry for people to move around a lot. Like that's pretty common. But this many people all at once and yeah. from high high up fields or yeah. high up positions. Dave, did the initiative bring on Crystal Dynamics? because of this exodus or did they bring them on and that caused the exodus? Um, it certainly seems to sound like the latter. Um, and just to kind of build off what you said, Brandon, like just seeing that many people leave a project is one thing, but I, when you start to look at sort of the rank that those people had on the project, it's, it's even more concerning because these weren't like peons, like these were high ranking people within the project. Um, and either, you know, the initiative saw that things weren't going well and they probably started to see that people wanted to leave and they're like, all right, we need help. Or Crystal Dynamics came in and rocked the boat and, you know, things just went down from there. 
Um, it's it's funny. I, I don't really have any connection to the Perfect Dark franchise. I, I didn't play it on the N64. I think there was one on the Xbox 360. So I, this doesn't really interest me on the surface. But when I read through the article, it was it was such a weird scenario because, um, you know, the initiative, Crystal Dynamics, there's big Microsoft involvement there. But one of the things that notes from people who had left the company was that there was so little involvement from Microsoft and so little direction. And there was so much control coming from the top of, you know, the, the project leads at the initiative where, you know, even the high ranking people on the project weren't getting any freedom or autonomy to, to kind of stretch their creative muscles. So, you know, we talked about Ken Levine a few months ago in, in some of the complaints that were coming from his studio. This sounds like a similar thing. But just what's weird about it is that, like, normally you'd think it's like Microsoft is holding the reins or, you know, the big sort of investment company is holding the reins and not letting us do anything creative. This is sort of the opposite in that Microsoft, like, they need to step in and and deal with this. And maybe them pushing Crystal Dynamics in was sort of them acting. But it's just a really weird situation. Yeah, I hear a lot about how Microsoft... Uh, and I don't have any reason to doubt this, how Microsoft kind of says, hey, this is your studio, it's your project. We want to give you the ability to have the creative freedom you want and make the project you want. And of course, they're going to give parameters to some extent and they're going to suggest things here and there. And they're certainly going to put strings on your funding and whatnot. But I feel like that can be a really good thing in that they're not telling studios you have to make this game or you can't make that game. But when it comes to something like this, if people are feeling like there's not any kind of guidance and they want it, that's a issue as well, I think. Yeah. So you either have it's like there's there's a there's a balance between no management and micromanagement. And yeah. they and, don't seem to have it right now. Yeah. No management, micromanagement, and Microsoft management. Oh. Ooh. God. Man, damn. you just ooh, took this one to another level. I need that micro hard management. <laughs> oh yeah. God. So I don't really have a whole lot of connection with Perfect Dark either. I mean, I played the original. I'm not. Uh, I'm it, not. If only we had somebody on this show that had any connection <laughs> intrinsically to Perfect Dark. But unfortunately, Phil is dead. Uh, so we don't have that this week. But maybe we'll next year. But so, if you, I mean, if you are a fan, it, it's it's too bad because it sounds like this 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 game is a long way off. Yeah, it sounds like it's a long way off for sure. And I mean, there, there was so much hype around this when it got announced. Wasn't there uh, just a were, cinematic, though? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's that's almost every new announcement these days, yeah. it seems like. But there was a lot of hype, though. And I know that Perfect Dark is a beloved franchise for sure. Right. It just seems to, like, from the beginning, I mean, remember from the very beginning, they said that the initiative was going to be the first quad A studio. Not even AAA, quad A. And turns out they can't even retain employees and have to bring in the developer, the, the highly acclaimed developer of the smash hit, the Avengers to help them out. <laughs> so I don't know, man, something's, something's amiss over there. I'm not really sure what it is or how to resolve it, but uh, it's bad. It doesn't seem great. That's for sure. No, definitely not. Okay. Uh, Warren Spector says the other side entertainment hasn't worked on System Shock 3 in three years. This comes from Game Informer, and it says System Shock 3 has quite the troubled development history chronicled in part three of Game Informer's Game Stuck in Development Hell feature, and it seems that the game has been pushed even deeper into development hell. In a new interview with VentureBeat, Deus Ex creator Warren Spector gave what sounds like will be his final comments in regards to System Shock 3, especially now that his studio, Other Side Entertainment, is working on a new IP. 
When asked if other side entertainment's work on the threequel had come to an end, Spectre said there's not much more clarification he can give at this point. Quote, we released a statement last year. There's not much more to say at this point. Tencent is taking the franchise forward. It'll be up to them to say what they want to say. There's not much clarification I can give you, end quote. Spectre continued stating that other side entertainment worked on System Shock 3 in 2018 and 19, but that it hasn't worked on the threequel since then. The studio maxed out at 17 people working on System Shock 3 in 2019, but it had downsides after that. This is the latest update to System Shock 3, which was first spun up again in 2015 when Night Dive Studios, which is working on a remake of the first System Shock, which I'm very excited for, brought the rights to, bought the, rights to, fran- to the franchise from Star Insurance in 2015. Later in 2015, Other Side announced that it was developing System Shock 3 after getting permission from Night Dive Studios to do so. So it had been a while since we heard anything, and now we've basically been told that nothing's happening at all. Do either of you have any connection to System Shock? I like the uh, the Deus Ex franchise like like a lot. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. I have no connection to the to the System Shock franchise, but I mean, if if something came out today or tomorrow or next year, I definitely check it out because of Deus Ex, and I think a lot of people would. Um, the last two games that came out were, were pretty popular. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this story along with the last one we just talked about uh, regarding Perfect Dark, like. I really wish publishers and developers would stop announcing games unless they're two years or less away because right. you're just putting at such risk of, of, of you know, announcing something that's never going to see the light of day. As you were talking, I was, do you guys remember Beyond Good and Evil 2 or the remake or whatever yeah, that dude. Ubisoft was supposed yeah. to do? Like, yep. that, like people freaked out over that and it it's just in development hell it's so just gone. yeah I, I really wish uh developers and publishers would stop doing this because you're just setting people up for disappointment and people lose trust in 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 publishers and developers when they do this kind of thing so well that's just it too like yeah maybe you you get unexcited about the project but like for me when he talks about the fact that they're working on other games and other, other things going on i'm like okay like i don't care <laughs> like you've not proven that you're going to bring anything forward at this point. Right. Um, and system shock Two, That's where Ken Levine, one of his first games, I think yeah. uh, that he worked on. And that, of course, you know, we have a lot of respect for Ken. I think the three of us do Brandon should developers stop teasing stuff so early or should they just make sure they actually follow through on it? Yeah. No, both? I, I don't know. I just think why bother putting all of the effort into a cinematic when it's just getting pile driven into the ground two years later. I'm I'm not going to be able to say much more than what Dave said. Um, I just think unless you have a really, really good gut feeling like the last of us teasing so early, that's fine. Sure. We know, we know it's going to be fine, but a game like this um, new entry in the series for many years, um, far out and look at it now. It's just doomed. So, And I agree with Dave. It does, you know, then maybe we'll even get to ask Phil one day. But, you know, I bet you I bet you he's just really disappointed that they went ahead and got him excited to then just be disappointed that it's probably never uh, going to come out. And if it is, then it's going to be bad, <laughs> at least based on this track record. So and once again, the, the Tencent name gets brought up again in that article. Yeah, seriously. Uh, everywhere. <laughs> Every fucking are in everything. Dude. Tendrils are in everything. And I mean. I don't really know what the involvement is there, but Tencent, they they don't care about the specific IP. Uh, they're not going to invest any money into something that the studio that created it is not 
going to further invest into. So I don't know. It's a little bit of a con confusing situation, but all I know is that I want that System Shock remake to come out because I need to play it. I need to play it. I haven't played System Shock since the yeah. early, early days, early days. So I'd, I'd be really interested in it. Also, since we're on the subject of Ken Levine and uh, everything, man, I really want to know what that... I, I really thought we'd know what his new game is by now. Yeah, didn't we potentially speculate months ago that it was going to be a, announced or teased at some point and we still have nothing i think we no speculated news. potentially at the game awards but again hey to his credit to their credit they didn't announce it when they started working on it and then fumble it well that's exactly times. right i mean we yeah. could have been having this exact same conversation about the next ken levine project right he could have announced it a year and a half ago and as we saw and heard there was some development issues there too because He's a big personality. Right. Um, so this is kind of the opposite scenario of uh, of what we were just talking about. Yeah, I think saying we're working on a game versus we're working on this very specific game is a, is a big difference there. Right. Yeah. And plus, like, literally just teasing, like, an right. entire, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. To some extent. To another extent, I think. Just be quiet until you have something to show. Well, also, there's, like, even nuance within that. I mean, like, sure, everyone's upset that... that whatever the next metroid game just has a graphic about it but you can't be too excited when you've seen nothing but literally the name of it right on a screen right you know what i mean it's it's different the perfect dark i remember watching it i i know nothing about the series really nothing yeah but i watched it and when whenever you put forth that sort of anticipation that full length slight storytelling right there in a preview right it just stings a little bit more when it when it doesn't come to fruition. Sure. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, but if you don't, um, take some time and go back and watch the announcement trailer for The Outer Worlds 2. Yes. Because uh, <laughs> they completely made fun of the fact that they were announcing their game too early and they actually had nothing to show except for a title card. Right. <laughs> but, I remember uh, that. But I mean, I'm sure that's a game that's further along than some other games that have been announced. So sure. right there with you. Yeah, absolutely. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, the next story comes from, this is from IGN, and it says Developer Co-Founder announces, I'm sorry, Devolver Co-Founder announces new publisher focused on games that improve mental health. Quote, De Devolver Digital Co-Founder Mike Wilson is beginning to make a habit of turning career delusionment into hope, disillusionment into hope. He has been candid in the past about how the fall of his first major endeavor, Gamecock Media Group, was a good thing. Its efforts to humorously lampoon the industry were more bully than benevolent. 
but its demise led to the founding of Devolver Digital, keeping the good-natured snark while redefining indie relationships with publishers. Wilson also co-founded Good Shepherd Entertainment in a further effort to push back against what he saw as harmful practices in indie publishing and joined the board of the gaming mental health charity Take This. And he's done numerous speaking engagements on the importance of good mental health often drawing from his own struggles and personal experiences to offer encouragement to others. Not long ago, Wilson found himself once again disillusioned with his career path and feeling like he was part of the problem in an increasingly crowded, messy, often toxic, and at times predatory games industry. He tells me he felt, quote, done with digital everything. It was in that head. This is a long article. I'm just not, not going to read the whole thing, but it was in the headspace during a period of pseudo retirement that Wilson met Ryan Douglas, a roboticist and former CEO of medical device company Nextern, who was in a, in a similar state of disillusionment with the med tech industry. The two began playing tennis together and talking about their respective fields, eventually arriving on the ways in which others had tried and failed to bring games and health together. So, of course, they brought uh, they they brought Devolver into the world. And now, uh, missing the part I highlighted earlier, uh, basically, they are going forward to create a new company called Deepwell. Deepwell is a new games publisher explicitly dedicated to both developing and publishing games that provide proven health benefits, as well as partnering with existing developers and publishers to win similar health approvals for games already out in the world. Wilson says... The Deepwell will include games that are beneficial to both mental and physical well-being, but will have a heavy emphasis on mental health. That's in part in d- due to Wilson's own background in promoting me- mental health. But as Douglas explains, there's been a disturbing trend in recent years of serious increases in depression and anxiety across the population, but not enough doctors and therapists to treat issues. So, all in all, goes on to say, they're creating Deepwell in order to put a focus or a shine on games that not only one, talk about and... Uh, demonstrate different things in mental health, but also games that are actually tied to like playing them can increase mental health, whether that's through the narrative, through the gameplay style, uh, etc. I mean, sounds interesting. Um, and I definitely have faith in Mike and the folks he's involved with, especially at Devolver. Uh, but I th- the first thing it makes me think of, and we can elaborate on this, but it's how they said that like Sudoku, Sud- Sudoku, the, yep. the, the pen and paper, you know, yeah. math game, which I'm terrible at, uh, actually is directly tied to staving off Alzheimer's. And I thought, hmm, okay, maybe games. And don't get me wrong. I've had this effect in, in my own gaming, but like maybe there are games that can specifically be tied to helping with mental health. Uh, Dave, we like Devolver. We talk about Devolver a lot. Um, but how do you th- how do you foresee what kind of games can you foresee being tied to uh, mental health? And of course, that is a different meaning for a lot of different people for everybody. But uh, in what ways can you see games being harnessed to help with the mental health? I don't know if epidemic's the right word, but problem that we have in the in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, nothing can but good can uh, come out of this. So I'll just say that uh, right off the bat. And there, I mean, there's a couple different ways you can look at it. You can look at um, games as sort of an exercise for your brain. You mentioned Sudoku there. Um, and there's a lot of other different things that can sort of find different ways to keep your, your brain engaged and help stave off things like Alzheimer's, as you mentioned. Um, the other way that, uh, or the other approach that could be taken with this is um, maybe using games and their narratives to shed a little bit more light on mental health issues. Um, back in our reviewing days, uh, one game I reviewed that I will actually never forget is a game called The Thin Silence, and it was all about uh, depression 
anxiety and it wove it very creatively into this narrative around like war and and uh this guy's relationship with his father and stuff like that so i mean anytime you get people talking about this and thinking about it just when they're experiencing a form of entertainment i think that's a positive thing um especially in the gaming industry so yeah uh just as i said off the top nothing but good can come from this so i'll be looking forward to seeing what they come up with yeah, and not uh, I know they're actually going forward too to seek out, you know, not only medical expertise, but in getting the medical field and the um uh psychiatry, psychology. I can't ever remember the distinction between the two, but anyway, the mental health field to also recommend specific types of games for people. Uh and of course that's a long road. Of course, there's a lot of people who don't think of games as anything further than pac-man still they that's what's in their mind that's what they're always going to think of when they think about video games but just increasing that awareness of both things of mental health within video games like making games that make people understand mental health better but also helping people who deal in mental health understand video games better and their direct tie to everything yeah and i sorry i just want to add to that so my wife works in the industry she works in the mental health field and um you know, she speaks with clients and stuff like that. And, and, you know, one of the biggest things that her clients need to understand is like the work doesn't get done in this hour long session that we have together. A lot of the work happens after, and I'm going to give you exercise and I'm going to think, give you things to do and things to think about. So imagine if, if a developer could come along and, and make video games, one of those exercises that helps people sort of um, deal with some of their mental health issues. Cause that's just another tool or resources that they could use right. that maybe we aren't using right now. So, I mean, there, there's the, the possibilities are endless there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this is, this is a really interesting thing that we don't really think about much and talk about much, especially on this show um, because video games are primarily for entertainment, but I think something that we could use some development in, and why I think a studio like this is fantastic is the pragmatic application of video games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's games out there that are helping kids learn how to code mm-hmm. um, and stuff like this. I mean, Dave's exactly right. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's going to replace a therapist. Every, everything has its meaning um, and its purpose, but I think there's an in-between that we can strive to work towards um, and have video games be these tools mm-hmm. that aren't just entertainment um, that could actually help us through things. Right. I mean, video games can definitely help you develop real-world skills. Yeah. I mean, there's age-old studies that talk about how people who play video games have better hand-eye coordination. That seems like a fairly obvious one, but right. there's people you say that to and they're like, no, like they don't believe it. Like that's still a, a hurdle for the industry to get over, I think. And then as video games become more mainstream, I think it will be uh, more accepted and stuff like that. But I see even in like um, m- my own son, who's eight years old, uh, playing Mario Maker. And even though that's, you know, it's a it's a game with a set of templates and stuff like that. Like he's learning about like how you can set up different triggers to do different things and how you can make the world change by running over this block and like cause and effect and logic based stuff. It's like problem solving. It's problem solving. Timing. And I've seen how that's like translating into his other types of play that aren't digital or screen based. Yeah. Where he's like creating basically like Rube Goldberg machines, not not exactly Rube Goldberg machines, but like how he's implementing those kinds of thoughts and things. So there's no doubt that video games can basically solve at least help solve many different problems and develop skills and stuff like that, that uh, 
society, I think, in another 20 years will probably be even more accepting of video games in multiple different areas than they are now. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's such a weird road because I still hear people like, to the three of us, like talking about Twitch streaming. Right. We're all like, yeah, okay, yeah, obviously Twitch streaming, it's a, it's a career that many people have. It's a viable form of entertainment. We like watching it. But you talk to some people and they're like, this guy gets paid how many millions of dollars a month to just play a game? It's like, okay, like there's still this lack of understanding about the industry as a whole. And I think it's delusion, though, because these same people watch The View. Well, that's the thing. When you You put it into that perspective. Like, like, yeah, it's it's Mm -hmm. it's disillusion is is what it is. Yeah. The the thing I always use is why would people want to watch somebody else play a video game? And I'm like, why do you like watching football? Right. Why don't you go play football? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I don't know. But anyway, back to the, the subject, I think the, the mental health focused thing. There are plenty of games that we've talked about over years like, oh, this game really helped me when I was in, a, in deep depression or this right. game really brought me out of a pit whenever I was dealing with a breakup or this game, uh, something about the narrative really clicked and made me realize that my dad never loved me or you know whatever like I, I, that's just i'm just using an example like i did hear that actually a lot about god of war yeah <laughs> excuse me no i understand that yeah um and so like there we've heard those kinds of stories but i don't know that any of those that was their main focus of those and so having a, a studio that's mainly focused on that and then clearly we know devolver and, and mike well enough to know that like they're going to put those resources into creating other resources too. Right. So I think it's all good. I think it's all good. Like Dave said, uh, maybe it doesn't solve everything, but it's not going to hurt anything either. No, definitely so, not. That's cool. Okay. Last story I have to bring up here and I got to find it again because I just lost it. Oh, this is just a short one probably, but Sony will be hosting a state of play on March 17th. That's Thursday. The day this comes out for public feeds dedicated solely to Hogwarts legacy. What the fuck? Now, we just had a state of play last week where they covered like a bunch of different stuff, mostly Japanese published games, Japanese published or developed games, uh, plus Returnal for whatever reason. And uh, I'm not, I didn't even bring that stuff up. We can talk about that if you got, if any of that stuff, if any of it interests you. But since it's basically a week old at this point, I didn't even bring it up. But this says, this is from the PlayStation blog. It says Avalanche Software and Warner Brothers Games are happy to partner with PlayStation to bring you in a special edition of State of Play entirely dedicated to Hogwarts Legacy. The broadcast, well, I don't need to tell you where it'll begin. Since we first revealed Hogwarts Legacy, the trailer has been viewed over 28 million times on the PlayStation YouTube channel. We promised to share more this year, and we're finally ready to deliver on that promise. The show will run for about 20 minutes, featuring over 14 minutes of Hogwarts Legacy gameplay captured on PS5 and concluding with some insight from a few members of the team at Avalanche Software who are bringing the wizarding world to life. Join us Thursday for the state of play. Don't forget to head back here to the PlayStation blog afterwards for a special post that will add a little more context to what we're about to show you. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about, are you guys at all? Dave, we'll start with you. Are you hyped for Hogwarts Legacy? Big time. Yes? This, yeah. I've, uh, I, I completed a... Uh, a, a uh harry potter marathon back uh back in november there oh and uh yeah i I mean when this game was first announced i was was, so wait just real quick the movies books other games 
No, movies, man. Movies, okay. Yeah, just making no, sure. Just, okay. just the Hogwarts movies. It's funny because I really like the Fantastic Beast movies, but we didn't tack that on. Right. Um, yeah, no, when this was announced, I thought, okay, for, we're finally getting like, I don't want to call it like a mature Harry Potter game, but I, I think it's it's something that more you know appeals to somebody like me and the games I I play. Obviously, we haven't seen much of it, but I'm hoping that what we see on Thursday sort of uh, validates that that thought that I have. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Um, I think obviously it's a game that that my wife would really be into, uh, even just watching at the very least, and even my sister. So. I mean, we all have people in our life who aren't gamers but are into the Harry Potter series. So anytime you can sort of bridge that gap, I think it's it's something to look forward to. So I, I will be watching on Thursday. And uh, as it stands right now, I'm looking forward to this. Um, we can chat again next week and see if I still feel right. that way. Yeah. But, yeah. Brandon, didn't this just get delayed? Like recently? No. There was rumor that it was going to be delayed or that it wasn't quite ready yet. And then quickly thereafter another rumor came out that the game's basically ready to go and they just haven't released it because of all the, you know, political gotcha. stuff around rolling and stuff like that. Gotcha. Um, I'm not very <laughs> excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not very excited. Um, I would be interested to watch this though. Um, I have played Harry Potter game, a Harry Potter game before I played the a game boy advance game. Yes. I remember. Um, that. it was actually decent. Yeah. Um, not too bad for a game boy advance. Um, but, I guess I could be interested in it. I don't know. I just I've never been that interested in in this in the books. Right. I've never been that interested Wait, in the movies. I, you need to re- to remedy that statement and say I've never been that interested. I've in never books. been interested in books really. <laughs> um, the movies don't interest me. Right. I would like to be interested. Yeah. Um. So I guess I'll watch this presentation and find out. But maybe this could be your gateway. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I would like to be surprised. I mean, sure. legitimately. Um. But. I weirdly think it's going to like, I don't know. I just have a gut feeling this is going to be bad. Okay. But I don't have any grounds for that. I, I just got that feeling. One thing's for sure. Even if it's terrible, it will probably still sell a bunch of copies because it's Harry Potter. Yeah. But I read the books. I was obsessed with the books in junior or no, in elementary through, I guess after I got out of high school is when they quit coming out. And then, uh, you know, I've enjoyed the movies, have enjoyed the stuff around them. Not a big Fantastic Beast guy myself, uh, but I'm just I'm looking forward to finding out more about the game. I will watch the state of play, even though I have a pretty much if I'm interested in the game, I'm not going to buy it uh, that or I'm not going to to watch trailers and stuff like that. I think this is the thing that like if I see this and I'm in, then I'll be blackout until it comes out. If I see this and I'm not still not in, then I'll continue to watch stuff until I'm convinced otherwise or not convinced otherwise. But I just I like the world. I like the setting. I know it's not going to be about Harry Potter specifically, which actually is kind of a nice thing. But uh, I think it could be really cool. I still don't have really a whole lot of clue what kind of game it is. And that's what I'm really hoping to see. Is obviously. it an MMO? No. Is it a multiplayer game? A single player game? I'm sitting here shaking my head like I know. but I don't, I don't know think anything about this know. fucking game. Like, I don't think it's it, an MMO. They haven't it marketed seemed like it a or talked narrative. about it that way driven sort of semi-open worlds uh yeah, souls born uh, i don't think no, it's multiplayer i could be wrong dude that'd be so fucking lame if it was a multiplayer but you think it would be lame if it wasn't yeah i think it'd be lame if it was why because i don't want it to be i don't know <laughs> anyway this is all speculation but yes of course. yeah more more or less what i'm saying i don't know what the fuck this is so i definitely need to <laughs> catch this state of play yeah. to have any sort of inkling 
Next, right okay, we're we're gonna talk about this next week, and it's gonna be total role reversal. Ben will just still be whatever. Brandon's gonna be all in. Like he <laughs> yeah. will pre-order next week, and I'll be totally disappointed. So yeah. just you wait. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out. Yeah, we can only hope. Now, Dave, you said you had some disappointing news about your gameplay recently. I want to hear about it. Oh well, you know, well, you said it was a rough week for gaming. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I'm I like many people and am playing Elden Ring and and uh, a game such as Elden Ring has has its ups it has its high moments it has those <laughs> I beat Stormvale Castle or I I killed Godric the Grafted on my like third try and like I'm making real progress but then every once in a while the game needs to to bring you back to reality and smack you back down to the surface of the earth um, and that's sort of where I am right now. I, I've, I've hit a wall and I, I don't want to say a wall like I haven't put the controller down and walked away from the game, but I've more, it's the first time in the game um, when I've gotten to a point and I've said, okay, I need to go back a bit and I need to level up and I need to go find some new gear and do some stuff. And that's, that's sort of a, it's, um, it's a reality check and it's, it's something I think I'm going to encounter a lot in this game. Um so yeah, it's just that. The other thing that kind of gets me is like I'm 24 hours in and I know I have a long way to go. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not trying to, to like critical path this game or anything, but I also don't want to be playing it for 100 hours. Right. But I also want to finish the game. Um, so I'm sort of just at like that moment of realization that, man, I'm going to be in this thing for a long haul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I'm sort of at that point, and and that's fine. I mean, I'm still having fun going back and and finding dungeons and and new stuff to, or sorry, finding like like mini dungeons and side areas where I can level up and and stuff like that. So that's just kind of where I'm at. So right, nice, cool, Brandon. You've also been playing Elden Ring, yeah. but you have gotten a little more progression than Dave. Sounds like he has. Yeah, no, I um I don't know what my playtime is, but it's like. A lot. 60 plus yeah at this point um been playing a lot yeah and like i said i had the past couple of days off and most of my time spent has been r&r <laughs> these past couple of days um specifically so um i really have played nothing else like literally nothing else but this game um and i think i am most of the way through it um really really enjoying it still um, I agree with Dave. There's definitely this game will continue to offer that for you through the next 40 hours, Dave, just so you know. Um, <laughs> uh, don't get discouraged. It's still really good. Um, and you got to find something that works. Don't be afraid to change your shit up, um, what you're doing, because it doesn't always work for everything in this game. There's It's just big and there's a lot of things to do. Um, so some things work some ways. And some things you got to change up your style. So I'm just rolling with the punches and um, really enjoying it myself, too. I'm hoping to get the platinum here in the next week or two. Nice. So. I heard it's a pretty easy from platinum. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. The um, the the Dark Souls 3 plat probably took like 120 hours easily. Yeah. Um, it wasn't bad, but it was locked behind something that was a farmable currency okay um and the drop rates were staggeringly low gotcha so i spent probably like eight to ten hours farming one single step the in orlando steps to get the silver knights to Uh get the currency for that so definitely 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 not as hard as that um but i'm looking forward to that because 
I don't think I can rest or play another game extensively until this is done. Um, and I must see it through, but I'm not rushing. I mean, honestly, I've, I could have very easily just like Dave said earlier, critical path this. Um, but I've really, really been taking my time and not been afraid to do co-op either. Like if I'm a little bit of a lull, I try to boss a couple times. Um, I'll go somewhere else and help someone out for a bit and level up a couple times and then come back. So, um, definitely not rushing. Um, but yeah, just just excited to be playing it. To be honest, it's I'm. It's a little bit early to tell, but it's probably going to be my game of the year. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so, probably going to be a lot of people's game of the years. But I'm looking forward to it after I finish the games I'm about to, or the game I'm about to talk about. But um, for me, I already kind of know myself well enough to know with uh, from games and long games in general. I may not get the platinum. I may not even finish the game, but I want to at least taste it. Right. And uh, I'm going to do that next, but I can't start it without finishing Horizon, which I'm almost done with. Nice. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West. I think my next play session will probably complete the game as far as story goes. And then it'll just be down to, I'll I'll probably get the platinum because I think it's going to be a pretty easy platinum to get based on the trophies I have thus far and what they tend to be in this game. So, I'm really enjoying it. The narrative has taken a different twist than I expected it was, and I'm enjoying it more for that. Um, Becoming a little more otherworldly, I guess you could say, uh, in a lot of different ways. And some of the revelations that are being made are really fascinating and everything. I'm continually impressed by the combat. Not necessarily just the the combat like in general, but specifically the, the combat upgrade from the last game. How much more nuance there is to it and how much more... Um, how many more systems there are. The thing I'm finding weird is I'm like basically uh, getting close to end game now and I'm scanning machines. So you can scan the machines to see like their strengths and weaknesses. And it's telling me about that they have strengths or weaknesses related to materials. I don't even have. And I'm like, what did I miss in this game? That Mm -hmm. there's a whole class of things that I don't even have access to. Mm -hmm. Like I've never even seen this type of ammo. What was it? Uh, plasma was one of them. Was it like the <laughs> the yellow ball? No, it was like a a blue spiky thing. I think huh. uh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one. Either way, it's weird. Like Aloy will specifically call out like, "Oh, they're weak to pl- right, plasma right. or whatever." So I'm like, I don't it. have that weapon type, right? And I'm trying to figure out where I missed it or what I did wrong. I'm I'm mm. trying not to Google anything because I don't want to be spoiled in any right. sense of the word, right? Um, so I don't know. I figure I'll find it eventually because I think one of the trophies is tied to kill a kill a creature with each different type of ammo type or whatever something like that so we'll see i'm just a little surprised by it because i've been pretty thorough and i must just be missing something so i don't want anybody to tell me i want to find it for myself but i just do find that a little bit fascinating that i haven't found something that seems to be a core mechanic of the game right still yeah well so uh i would tell you how much time i've played but i last night I was really tired and I was like, well, it's it's before I usually go to bed. So I'm just going to play a little horizon. And I fell asleep within like 20 minutes and then woke up four hours later. And so my clock's all messed up now. But either way, yeah, my in-game clock, that is <laughs> either way. It's fine. Uh, I've also been playing Sea Thieves, of course, and they came out with a new season last Thursday. It started and they added new sea forts in the game. Now, this is something that people who have heard me talk about the game 
and maybe like the idea of playing, but they don't like that I talk about long play sessions. It's something you can get in and you can do one of these forts in 20, 30 minutes. But, and that's like including getting to it and turning around, finishing it and selling it off. It's not worth a huge amount of money, but if you've got a buddy who's like, I got an hour I can play, you could go knock a couple of these out. And provided you don't have any major obstacles in your way, you would knock it out pretty quickly. So I think that's cool that they've added that mode in. And I think it also scales for crew size as well. So if you're going in with a full galleon, you got four people, it's going to be a little harder time than if you go in with a sloop and you got two people, um, which I like that fact of a little bit of dynamic gameplay there. Uh, the one thing I don't like about them is I don't really do a whole lot of missions or like PVE-based stuff. So for me, it's like, well, how am I going to figure out? I got to figure out the best way to steal these from people. <laughs> and they're really quick, so it's hard to like get there by the time somebody's doing them. So yeah, that's just another challenge. That's another challenge I'm giving myself to try to yeah. figure out how to steal the unstealable. There you go, dude. Yeah. So that's that's it for me, basically. All right. You guys have anything else to talk about? Anything else to say? No, oh, man. I think that's it. Dave, when are you playing Sea of Thieves with me again? We should do that soon because that's part of my my New Year's gaming resolution, my guy. And I've been uh, I've been lagging on that part a little bit. I was doing good in the first part of the year, but uh, I could definitely use some co-op play sessions. And Brandon, you and I gotta. I, I need your help. I'm 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 caving and I'm asking for help. And help dude, I was I was gonna say, let me know. I will <laughs> gladly help you through. I'm pretty soon I'll be over level 100, so I'll be able to help you with whatever you need. All right, I like it. Yeah, let's Thanks. let's do that soon. Nice. All right, boys. Well. For those of you out there who are listening, uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate you listening every week. Don't forget, patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Dollar a month or less, or <laughs> dollar a month or more. Sorry, dollar is cheap enough for four, four or five episodes <laughs> a month. Get over yourself. Uh, the Discord, handsomephantom.com slash Discord. Come hang out with us. And other than that, we will see you next week with all sorts of takes about Hogwarts Legacy and how much Brandon lo- is looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. Bye. The HP Podcast and Handsome Phantom is supported by our proud patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Htrons, Maurice Bays, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Fusebro, Boots, Hoot, Jared, Josh Cummings, Edward Walton, Charles Peterson, Toby Ryland, Straw Hat Ninja, Jared Cavaliero, and Jason Canham. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>